What up? I'm Caleb. This is the show. I uh, I did a thing that I said I would never do, and I went back and I listened to my own show. And if that sounds weird to you, it isn't. I'm definitely not the only person that does that. Um, but I, it just kind of, I mean, it was, it was great in one way in that it, uh, it helped me, I need to get OBS out of the way here. Hang on one second. Go away. Thank you. Cause otherwise I'm just going to be looking at myself instead of looking at you the whole time and who want, um, yeah, so I went back and just, I mean, I, I listened to portions of it while I edit and stuff, but largely um, I've gotten to the point with my editing and stuff that I know I don't need to listen to the whole thing to know that it's going to sound good. I just kind of check for content, and because I have things like Descript, I don't need to listen to the whole thing to find the things that I want to get rid of <clears throat> or trim up or my breaks, or whatever. But the thing that I realized while I was listening is that I just need to, like, chill out a little bit and act like I'm actually having a conversation with a friend because I, I am. That's the whole idea of this is to, you know, it's just me and you hanging out. And I started thinking about, like, where did that come from? Why... Why was I talking so fast? I think part of it is nerves, although um, public performance is nothing new to me. I'm a musician. I've been playing in church and stuff since I was like 17, and, you know, played in front of a lot of people. So... I think maybe some of it is nerves because it's like it's a newer format for me. Um, and I think some of it too is that I just get going and I get excited, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to try and chill out a little bit. I was thinking, I think part of it too, other than just like the nerves and me still trying to figure this all out. Um, I think another thing is it's, in my brain, it's associated to um, something I did at a past job. I um, I distinctly remember buying my first iPod, the iPod Mini, which coincidentally is celebrating 20 years since its announcement. Um, I bought my first iPod Mini. It was lime green. It was the 4 gig a bite model and I love that thing. My girlfriend Sarah had the pink one and we did the whole thing where we'd like ride the train cuz I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. We did the whole thing where we'd like ride the train together <clears throat> before I had my own iPod and we'd like share her headphones and you know in one in each ear and like um I got that iPod at Walmart, but then probably a year later, um, 
Yeah, about a year later. So that was like, what, 2007, I got that guy. And then I bought a MacBook. I bought my first MacBook Pro after I graduated high school in 2007. I used my graduation money. Um, and my parents were kind of like, are you sure, bro? But it's like, I knew, dude. I just knew. I needed every creative person in my life had a MacBook at that point. My dad's like, you could build some serious shit on a PC with the amount of money that you're spending. I think I spent $2,700 on my first MacBook Pro in 2007. Um, and it just was like, I just knew, I just knew I had to have it. <clears throat> and I knew that there were things on it. There were applications or programs on it that I wasn't going to get on windows or that just like were better on the Mac because they were just kind of like designed for it. Um, and then that winter, so that was like, you know, probably, I think I, I got that, I got that MacBook Pro in like August <clears throat> and then that winter, Sarah and I were downtown in Chicago, like Christmas shopping, just messing around on Michigan Avenue. We went into the Apple store and in that moment that the original Apple store in Michigan Avenue was a big square building. Uh, and it was the classic like metal aluminum look on the outside, all of the slate floors, walls, everything on the inside with the wood tables. Um, and they, it was two floors and in the center was a glass stairway all the stairs were glass, the, you know, like, and it just looked like it was floating in the middle of the air because that's Apple and that's how they do stuff. And I saw how that store worked and I'd never been to one before. And it just like blew my mind. And I had already just been like, man, this, this computer, it's just, it, it, it was changing my life. And, um, I was, I was just, you know, I had access to the internet. I had access to music creation. I had bought myself for my dad had bought me a little MIDI controller and like, you know, I was already a pretty big fan of Apple just from a music standpoint and now a creativity standpoint. And then I got to experience an Apple store and I was like, wow, I need to work here. I need to, I need to work here. <clears throat> and so that began, uh, I, I made, I applied for a job at the Apple store in, uh, February of 2008 it was the first time that I applied to work for Apple. Um, and even though it is just a retail store, it is a retail experience unlike any other, um, at least, you know, not in the normal sphere. I think the customer service and the amount of like attention that you get at an Apple store while they are stretched to the limit of it is at the very beginning of what would be considered the luxury tier of shopping experiences. Maybe not the epitome of a luxury experience, especially when you take in the 
Um, boy, that makes me nervous. My phone keeps chirping about starting the video. Are you okay? You're connected. Whatever. Um, I guess I'm just going to put OBS back over here because now I kind of want to see that happening. I apologize for getting off track. This is the show. What's in the show is in the show. Um, and so because they are kind of maybe a form of a luxury shopping experience, they do... Um, <clears throat> they are particular about who they hire. So I applied in February in 2008... And I never heard anything back. In the fall of 2009 was when I moved to Michigan um, and went to Cornerstone, went to school there for two years, uh, applied three more times over the course of those two years. So that's four total. Um, my... My roommate in college, Nate, he took me to at least two of those um, very early morning before the store opened, kind of like, you know, job interview. I'm not going to talk about the job interview. The way that they do that is their thing. I'm not here to talk about any of that stuff. But, um, man, I just knew I had to work at Apple. And so I was doing random other jobs and blah, blah, blah. And I was working at, you know, I worked at Chipotle and I worked at the mall at American Eagle. And I was like a delivery driver at Jimmy John's when Sam and I met. And, um, so then like 2011, I moved back home after getting kicked out of college for the second time and failing to find a job here in Michigan that was going to pay me enough to be able to live, um, I was also just like, that was when I started experimenting with, um, the lady Mary Jane and I knew it, dude. I knew that my video was like freezing and freaking out on me. I just knew it. We'll be right back. That's a good spot for a break. And we're back. Yeah. I got kicked out of college for the second time. And then I tried marijuana, and <laughs> then I was trying to make it on my own here in Michigan for the first time, couldn't find a job, was smoking weed, staying up late, and, like, just, you know, not motivated to do a damn thing, living in the ADHD, uh, and... Ran out of money. My dad was like, I can't help you anymore. You're stupid. Um, either move home or, you know, bye. <laughs> and so I moved home. And I was there for a year and a half, and I applied to Apple two more times, did two more group interviews. So four, five, six times now. Uh, and then I moved, moved to Grand Rapids a year and a half later. Now we're at 10 years ago. Um, and got a job at Chipotle, was doing that, applied to Apple, did another group interview that's eight, uh, and then 
yeah, bounced around for a while. I was doing jobs at the mall, like I said. And, uh, and then I was living in Holland and Sam and I were like dating. We were kind of talking about getting married, I think. Uh, no, yeah. So we were talking about getting married. Uh, I don't, I had probably proposed at this point. Um, why did I? No, yeah, definitely. Even later in the year. Um, so I'd applied again, never heard anything, but that's the eighth time. In fact, I think I got a like, hey, you know, not right now kind of thing. So finally, you know, just no more group interviews. They were like, meh. Um, and then I got a call a couple days later. This was like around this time of year, January, February. Hey, like, you know, um, we, you know, you've been in here a, lo a couple times and we just, you know, like, Hey, my name is so-and-so I'm not going to name the manager. Um, if you know, you know why this person got let go because they were doing stuff with, uh, someone who wasn't a manager, but an employee. Um, that was later on. Um, I, he was like, Hey, why don't, you know, my name is so-and-so he left me a voicemail or something. He was like, Hey, why don't we, you know, get coffee or whatever and just kind of talk. And so did that. And just kind of, I was still, li I was living in Holland at the time. I was still working the, f at this place at a, it was like a, it's a food, food service place. Like where they make, uh, like frozen lasagna and frozen little meals and like the little, like, you know, um, like microwavable mac and cheese and microwavable lasagna and gluten-free little deals like that, whatever. Um, I was working at that job, getting up, uh, being to work at 3.30 in the morning, like clocking into work at 3.30 in the morning. Um, <clears throat> and I really wanted to get out of that, but they were only offering part-time at Apple, but were not willing to discuss how much they wanted to pay me. Um, had I, had they been willing to do that, I would have known it were, it was worth it then to say, I'll quit this job and drive from Holland for part-time because of the pay. Um, didn't know that. And so they're like, yeah, doesn't quite work right now. Let's, you know, <laughs> call us, I guess, basically, you know, Hey, give me a call. You know, but the answer isn't completely just no anymore. It's, you know, not right now. So <clears throat> a few more months go by. Sam and I are engaged. Um, I have gotten an, I've left that food service job and I am working at Jimmy John's still in Holland the one on 16th street, shout out to that crew. I still think of some of the people that I worked with occasionally, just like, I wonder how they're doing. Um, man, what a time. And I eventually needed to move back to Grand Rapids. Sam and I started renting the house that we were going to live in together after we were married. I moved in like a month or maybe two before then. 
Uh, and so I moved to a Grand Rapids, Jimmy John's, and was just working there and then started finally getting um, – I got another call from Apple, the same manager. Hey, man, how's it going? What's been going on? Blah, blah, blah. We, you know, and uh, hey, well, let's have coffee again. And so we did. Hey, you know, what's your life like? What are you doing? It's been six months, seven months. Maybe even longer. I feel like maybe that initial had been in the fall. So maybe like shortly after I'd started at the food place. But because that was like August, September. So maybe this was like November, early holiday kind of thing. <clears throat> and now it's like June. Somewhere around there. May? I don't know. I just rem I don't know. I'm trying to piece this together in real time. Um, I, you know, hey, dude, let's get coffee again. Sorry, chair malfunction. Let's get coffee again. And so talk to him. And then, like, I am out doing daily delivery, you know, runs for Jimmy John's a couple days later. And then get a call again, and I miss it. Hey, it's from the Apple store. Give me a call. Yeah. Uh, call him. Hey, dude, we would, you know, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. Can you talk? We'd love to offer you a job. And I, like, <laughs> I've done it. After nine interviews, after nine interviews, I've gotten a job, been offered a job at Apple. And uh, I said, yeah, that's great. He's like, cool, we're going to start you off at this much an hour. And I like dropped the phone out of my hand because it was the most money I'd ever made in my life. And it's at a retail job. And I was like, what? he's like, is that okay? I was like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I don't want to say you could give me less, but that's great. Um, <laughs> and so that started a five-year journey. And... I worked at the Woodland Apple Store. I was a repair technician. I was there through the closing of the original store and the uh, setup, final setup and launch and opening of the new store. And I was in that space for two years, two and a half years, two years. And it like okay so two years into that I was a repair technician and um, Apple started this like new initiative they had this lady who was in charge of retail her name was Angela her name is Angela Aarons she was the like she was in charge at Burberry. She made them really successful. And they brought her in to just kind of like give a breath of fresh air to the retail side of Apple. And so she's responsible for the way that this whole like kind of new store design is currently with the grove and the plants and this come hang out and no genius bar. And, oh, you know, we're just in like this kind of I mentioned earlier, like a, a like luxury, semi-luxury kind of feel. And this was just kind of like kind of like Burberry. Let's 
push Apple into the luxury space a little more, even though it's for everybody. And with that came these video walls at these stores. The one at Woodland is 30 feet wide and 16 feet tall. And no, 30 feet wide and nine feet tall, 10 feet tall, something like that. I don't know. And yeah, it's like eight feet, nine feet. I don't know. I'm just picturing it in my head. And they launched this new job position that kind of existed outside of, you weren't quite tech. You weren't quite genius bar support. You weren't quite sales, which we called, I don't know, what do we call it? The family room or something like that. Um, this job was called creative and there were creatives and creative pros. And the idea was a creative could teach. And so, and then beside it, Apple started offering classes uh, live at the Apple store. And they've finally shifted them online now too, because of the pandemic. But like, so live at Apple stores and you come in and you can do everything from learn the basics of your iPhone to, pro-level creative stuff. And this came from the idea uh, from Steve Jobs saying that Apple exists at the intersection of creativity and technology. And so the idea was, here is this iPhone. Here's how to use it, but also here's how to be creative with it. And here's the way that creative professionals are using it. Pretty cool idea. And since audio is my thing, I'm a musician. I was actively in a band at that point. We were called The Automatic. Um, you know, was actively recording stuff. It was something I was very, very interested in. I applied the first time. I didn't get the position. Um, but I also didn't really know how I would fit into it. And it wasn't there. There was like no confidence in myself in any of these abilities yet. Eventually, I got the role of creative pro, and they made me full-time, and it was really great. And one of the duties, or <laughs> nice, um, one of the things that I had to do, or I got to do, once a day, a couple times a day, and I am, in, in hindsight, which is 2020, I'm upset with myself for ever not wanting to do these because dang, man, what a cush ride. Um, my responsibility or one of the things I got to do was take an iPad up there, mirror it to the video wall behind me, put on a It's Britney Bitch headset microphone, like legit the same one that she wore, same model, not like... Well, actually, uh, it was the same, uh, actually. And I got to get up there, video, you know, mirror an iPad to that video wall behind me, put on, a, put on a headset, pull down the music in the store and go, Hey, everybody, I'm Caleb. I'm the creative pro of music here at Apple Woodland, and I'm going to make a beat on this iPad in GarageBand. And you just hang out and watch. Or if you want an iPad and you want to like follow along, they're right here. Grab one. That was literally my job. 
And I had so much stage fright and so much just nervous energy and so much autism and so much ADHD and no ability to regulate my emotions in a healthy or productive way, no ability to actually like talk in an effective way. I just didn't have any of that. Well, I had enough of it to convince my boss and my managers that I, that I could do it or that I really wanted to try doing it. And I like cried when they gave me the promotion because at that point in my life, any emotion made me cry. Like I could be laughing at a tiny little joke and I was crying because I was just so out of whack. Um, I'll talk in a future episode, I think about, uh, what going on medication has done for me. Um, and not even for ADHD, but just being on an antidepressant, what has, what that has done for me in my life. Um, anyways, so I'm not, I'm not medicated. I'm not mindful. I'm not anything, but this, this, and at that time, even bigger, like I was like 300 pounds. I was super unhappy with my life. Sam and I were going through stuff. It was terrible. Like just not, I wasn't doing so great. And one of the things that I got to do every day was stand up in front of the video wall and, and do that. And so when I started thinking about why I was talking so fast these first few episodes of this show, it's because that format was my only real experience to freeform speaking and being in front of an audience and an audience that wasn't there to listen to me play songs. Because that is really the only audience I've ever known is an audience that is there to either, you know, participate in singing along with music in church uh, or has come to an actual like rock and roll venue to see my band or see my band open for another band or whatever, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I guess just the kind of talking really fast and blazing through everything or whatever just kind of came from my live sessions at the Apple store were I only had 20 minutes for them or a half hour for them at the most. Sometimes I was given a full hour to do it. And man, I man, if I could go back and do that again, I would in a heartbeat, but it'd have to be me now. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. There's this part of me in the back of my mind, like if I can swing it and if it's like, you know, financially, if I can swing it, like when I'm ready to just be done working, 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 I want to go back to Apple part-time as a creative pro and just like sell iPhones, tell stories about owning my own business and help people figure out how to use their, how to use their stuff. You know, it'd be a cool little, uh, it'll probably be a cool little retirement kind of side deal. And look at that. I've already done like 40 minutes on one topic. <laughs> but it's, you know, I, uh, 
just reflecting on the fact that, you know, that kind of that maybe anxiety or just like my default state was to talk really fast and just kind of like I need to get everything out. And it just, you know, like, hey, we're just kind of rolling through the thing and I'm having a great time, but we need to. It's okay to just kind of take a deep breath and hang out. It's like I'm here hanging out with my friends and I'm just trying to remember that. I'm not competing for anyone's attention but my own right now. <laughs> uh, I had somebody ask me on a TikTok live the other day. Speaking of, I am someone who mocked TikTok at the beginning and I am all about it now. It's, I just want to say that it's so fun. Um, one making videos for it is fun. The fact that I have, I don't know. I've just kind of like found my little like niche. People love seeing Evie, but they're also into, you know, like I post random stuff from work and I post random music thing, just whatever. It's me, you know? Um, I've just been having fun with it. And then like going live, getting enough followers to be allowed to go live on TikTok has been really fun. Uh, largely I've been going live when I'm cooking dinner and that has been really, really cool. We get a thousand people in there who are just hanging out and like, you know, chatting it up, asking where Evie is a million times because she's in bed because we don't make dinner until after 7 PM most days. Cause we're working on it. Um, especially because Evie is turning one and we're going to need it. Like we're working on transitioning her off of her main form of food being bottles to, you know, solid food. That's what you got to do when they turn one. She's not there yet. We're 18, 13 days out. Um, something like that. I can't do math. I... Yeah, so like cracking open a HelloFresh meal and going live on TikTok is fun. Um, before I began recording today, I went live on TikTok for a little bit while I was eating my breakfast. And I asked, um, I asked if anybody had anything that they thought that I should talk about. So um, I've got two topics. One of them is here for the main show, and the other one I'm going to save for the show. Uh, I'm going to save it for the show. And save it for the show is my after show on Patreon. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. Make sure to, you know, the stuff down there with the subscribing and the liking and the bell and the... Thank you for that. Um... But if you want longer versions of this show and you want to hear, so I'm going to be talking here on the main episode, I'm going to be talking about, uh, well, I guess we'll find out. I've got two topics here. I've got two topics. I don't know which one's going in which. So if you're listening to the edited show, you'll know. But if you've got the, the Patreon only full unedited version you get to hear them both anyways so my two topics i've got how i got into doing sound and audio engineering because i've always you know i've known for a long time that i wanted to but what has that path been like what has that journey been like uh and then the other one is uh that was somebody from my tiktok live this morning and then the other one was hyperfixations, and that i think is going to be a little bit of a 
We're going to call it a feisty mindfulness throwback. Shout out to my friend Joel and a show we used to do called Feisty Mindfulness. Um, but we'll do a little bit of a like, you know, just kind of dig into what is a hyperfixation and what are some of mine. And yeah. Um, but more on that. So if you want to hear both of those topics, the only way to do that is to subscribe to my Patreon. You can find everything at jupitersound.studio. Uh, my Patreon's five bucks a month. Every episode is longer and largely unedited. Uh, no ads at all. And uh, there's bonus content too. Right now there's a video up of uh, Sam and I trying some snacks from one of our friends in the Netherlands. And it was tasty, and she made fun of me for being a terrible host. And, um, yeah, it's pretty great. Replying to my wife mid-show, because no respect. Um... Yeah, but TikTok has just been so much fun. If you want to follow me there, JupiterSound.studio. You can also find the Patreon link there, all of that. Thank you for supporting the Patreon. Thank you for subscribing to that. Thank you for subscribing to the YouTube and my TikTok and like wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. Um, I feel like I should have started the show with that. And maybe I'll even move this to the beginning of the show with the power of editing. Ka-chow, ka-chow, ka-chow. Um, Sam and I have been trying to eat at home more because we spend way too much fucking money on eating out. Um, especially because the price of food in general, like it's just kind of hard to, man, everything is so damn expensive right now. I hate it. And I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. Well, call your congressman. No. I've I've written my congressman. The next step is to kidnap them. And I don't mean that. This is a joke. Just jokes, everybody. Just jokes. Uh, just jokes. But, like, so we're trying to eat at home more. And we started that this past week. And... It's been very interesting to watch it be a mental game for Sam. I grew up with fast food and whatever being a thing. And especially as I got older, it was a more common thing. Um, and by older, I mean like out of high school, my especially as my brothers got, you know, later in high school and stuff like that, it just became more of a and everybody got jobs and everybody had a crazy schedule and whatever, you know. Um, but growing up, we – there was, in my opinion, a very healthy mix of going out to eat, takeout food, like going out and sitting down at a restaurant, getting fast food and bringing it home, and then just eating food at home. There were there was a very healthy balance of all of that, in my opinion. Um, because – and I say that because now after like Sam and I've been married for almost eight years or 
whatever math. Um, we're making this transition, but for her, it's been difficult. And this isn't my story. If you want to go like hear everything about like Sam's deal with this, she's documenting it on her TikTok. Um, but just kind of watching her and her food aversions and like, she grew up in a family that ate out almost every single meal every single day. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that. That's like, that's the way that her mom and her dad did it. Hey, whatever. My mom was a stay at home mom largely and was able to be the one preparing meals and stuff after getting, you know, just picking us up from school. And yeah, it's just been interesting to watch her try and transition into this. And I'm like, I'm down to cook dinner. I'm down to eat at home. I'm down to eat whatever usually. And like, I'm not picky and I'm thankful that that's kind of translating to Evie as well. Um, you know, like she'll eat basically anything, but because for Sam, she doesn't really know how to cook and it's not a like default state for her. And because she's used to, we're both at this point used to waiting to eat until we're too hungry to think about it. Um, that it became a habit for us to just eat out way too often. And then for every meal, pretty much. And financially, nobody can sustain that. We're in debt because of it. And not like crazy, but, you know, hey, just being honest here, man. I'm just just out here doing it, you know. But, like, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm really thankful for it. I am excited to, like, I don't know, there's something about a home-cooked meal and even if it is like hello fresh it's still home cooked it's still fresh ingredients i don't care that it was brought to me to prepare that's fine like great um the one thing that i could really really not do without is all the fucking dishes like it doesn't matter it seems like which one of us does the dishes how often which one of us does the dishes whether i try and pitch in and help sam keep up with that or not it just doesn't stop it's like the laundry and like laundry i keep up with my own or i try to at best like sam doesn't do my laundry for me at large there is the random like hey i forgot to move this into the dryer could you do that or you know like hey you left stuff in the dryer she'll say to me like you left stuff in the dryer can i put it on the bed for you or whatever but like in general i try to do all of my own laundry and i always have mostly because I've been doing it since I was tall enough to be able to do it at my parents' house. Since I was tall enough to reach the top load washer and drop that in and pour out my own liquid detergent and ding it in there, I've been doing my own laundry. So, I don't know, probably 25 years at this point. It just doesn't stop, man. And now we've got Evie and like her stuff just gets mixed in with ours. Like what's it going to be like when she's a whole ass person and has like, it just, I am really, really tempted. There's a laundry laundromat here, cleaning laundry service, whatever that has a, you know, it's just whenever you call them to come and get your laundry, you have a bag that you put everything in. They pick it up. They take it, they wash it, they fold it, they bring it back. 
and the largest bag that they have is 50 bucks. And I'm really, really tempted to try it one time to see how big the bag is and to see how good of a job they do. Because if it's $50 and it's enough to get all of my laundry and Evie and towels or me and Sam for 50 bucks, and then all we've got to worry about is Evie and towels, shoot, you know, like that might be worth it. It's in my book, it is as worth it as the money that we spend to have somebody clean our house. And so I am just taking this challenge of eating at home, not as a like, oh, we're broke, you know, we've got a kid and blah, blah, blah. I had this coworker who, when we got pregnant, their outlook was like, oh, I'm so excited for you. That's really cool. But also like, as soon as that baby's born, your life's over. As soon as that baby's born, you're not having fun anymore. It's whatever you're only allowed to do, whatever your wife needs you to do or whatever that kid needs. Or, you know, like you're not going to be buying lunch anymore. As soon as that kid gets here, no more going out to lunch for you. It's all over. You're never eating fresh food ever again. It's going to be, but like, <sighs> That kind of stuff stresses me out. Why are you even a parent? Why do you have six kids? Why, or more? Why do you have, fuck's sakes, you know? Like, anyways, I'm using this as an opportunity, the whole eating at home thing and the money that we're going to save. Hopefully that means we're able to be more flexible in our finances eventually, maybe a year from now, that a laundry service does not seem ludicrously expensive. Because for me, to take that out of my life, to like, you know, the fact that I should probably pause this recording right now and run up and switch my laundry over. By the way, having laundry on the on the top floor of the house, up where your bedrooms are, whole Lee dang, y'all. What were we ever thinking putting that shit in the basement? Just, like, laundry on the same floor as where you live? Ugh, game changer. And, like, I'm not saying I want to get rid of my washer and dryer and, like, never do laundry again. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, yeah, if I could just, like, have somebody pick up all of our towels and everything or all I had to worry about were the towels and Evie's clothes... And all of my stuff, all of my work clothes and all of my, like, I got hoodies that are only supposed to be hung dry or air dried. And I got like, just, you know, I want to care for that stuff, but I don't really have time for it or shirts that need to be because of the graphic printing on them that should be washed inside out and not dried for too long or, you know, like they're going to take care of that for me. So in my book, it's worth it. We just can't afford it right now, but that's what I'm hoping, like eating at home, being disciplined with that. Um, the other thing I need to get disciplined on in that arena is packing a lunch and taking that with me consistently every day. Um, in my line of work that I do, the whole like installing stuff or even like, shoot, like even I've got three shows this week. <clears throat> um, I should probably pack myself food for that kind of stuff because I don't have time traditionally to take, I don't, I don't get a traditional break. I don't get to just like sit and chill out, you know, take a 15 or blah, blah, or like on a show day, like tomorrow I'll get there at two and, or noon 
noon and it'll be to the wall until doors open at seven. And then I have an hour break maybe, um, which is actually like, I need to stay there on campus, eat my food and be available for any questions from the artist. Right. So like there is no, yeah. So like, I need to have, I just need to get better about bringing food with me. And it's not like I'm like, I'm just out of practice with it. It's not something I'm not willing to do. I don't mind eating turkey sandwiches. I don't mind eating, you know, like, protein bars, whatever. I just need to get better at like, and part of it is like getting out of bed in time enough to do it, but not really even because I've got Evie for that now. Like I'm always up early, but it is just the like remembering to do it um, and remembering to do it sooner than five minutes before I need to leave. I need to remember to remember. How does your brain do that? That's a Merlin thing. How do you remember to remember? Like crazy. Um, it's just been, it's something that's just on my mind a little bit. So we'll check back in, see how that's going. My goal for this week, um, is to only rely on the gas station for beverages and not be like, buying snacks every time I go to the gas station or, you know, needing to get my lunch from there or whatever. Yeah, sorry, I'm messing with my hat. You know, it's just kind of, it's just kind of one of those things. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to be gentle and patient with myself in it, kind of like getting to the gym. I would love to be working out. I'd love to be going to the gym a couple times a week hitting the rowing machine, keeping myself limber and like stress-free and stuff. Cause I can even feel it. Like I had a massage around my birthday about a month ago and like, I can already feel it in my ribs and stuff again. I'm just tight and like, uh, you know, um, just trying to be gentle and patient with myself on these things. And when I can make it happen, when I'm going to make it happen, um, and the only thing, the only way things become a habit is by doing them over and over. So I just, uh, you know, I'm probably not the only one going through this where they wish they were able to do these things. Write me a letter. Write me a letter. I kicked my camera. There she is. Write me a letter and drop it in the mail. I ain't got too much time before I set sail. Don't you worry, mama, cause I'll be back again. So write me a letter and let me know I'm your friend. So when I was uh, probably eight or nine, I'm going to Google this real quick. To the internet. Okay. So uh, in December of 1999, 
So on my 11th birthday, I received the album Love, Liberty, Disco by a band from Australia named The Newsboys. Christian band. Uh, Hang on, I need to tell my wife to be safe. So I got this album for my birthday from my grandma. Sweet, sweet lady, RIP. And there's a song on it called Everyone's Someone. It's a pretty good message, you know, whatever. But the song starts with just the drums. And a friend of the show, Shane Wilson, is the recording engineer on this album. Recorded in 1998, 1999. And so it starts with just a drum beat. And you can, because of the way the kit is set up with microphones, you can hear when he moves his foot, when he moves his foot to hit the kick drum, you can hear the pedal that he's like pushing down on. You can hear that squeak just before the like you know so you're hearing and it's because it's such a because it's drums that little bit of a squeak is is rhythmic as well and it kind of becomes a part of the beat and it's not it was not like intentional at all um and it's not like anything that is so loud that like everybody noticed it ever right but it is something that caught my attention after I'd listened to it a few, you know, like started to, you know, when you start to like get familiar with a song and maybe start to, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but when I start to, when I get familiar with a song and then you start like understanding the lyrics and remembering the lyrics, that kind of thing, you start noticing and remembering bits about it. So then for me, I start noticing different parts, different instruments, different little things. And that was one of the things I noticed was, hey, there's this like squeak here. And it kind of sparked in me this, how did they do that? What was the technique? What led to that? Why is that a thing that I could hear? And it was something, I don't know, maybe I'd kind of like thought about it or just been, I don't know, I'd already been entranced with music. I'd already, you know, at 11 years old, I already knew the guitar solo to get to Hotel California by heart, like in my head. I still can't play it. I probably could if I like took a day and learned it, but like I knew I knew all the words to Hotel California at 10 years old. And like I was in it, man. U2 was a sonic a sonic sea that I was lost in the drift in at that age. And it's when I started to want to learn the guitar. It's when I started then knowing that I wanted to be an audio engineer. I didn't know, like, that wasn't the words in my head at the time, you know what I mean? But, like, as an 11-year-old, but just, like, I want to know how they did this, and I want to do this. And from there, it grew into... Like after church on Sunday, I grew up in a church, especially now at this age, 
I grew up in a church named named Harvest Bible Chapel, and in early 2000, church was on that church was on the rise. And the main campus had a thousand people at every service. They were doing multiple services a weekend. I remember the big push to add a Saturday night service so that they had more room. And like everybody, like we all got, my parents were like, yeah, we'll try it out. You know, cause we were, we were driving 45 minutes one way to go to church. Um, from our little small town out to even closer to the, you know, to the city, but still the suburbs, uh, so everybody, you know, we got t-shirts and we're part of the Saturday night crew and blah, blah, blah. And like, um, so after church on Sunday morning, because, and it was like, you know, there were a thousand people per service and it was very high production value and the stage was raised up off the floor and like rock and roll church that did not end. It did not, I mean, I don't know how they're doing now, but it was, it did not go well for a while there. Um, but you know, church would be over and we always sat like three, four aisles back, four or five aisles back, something like that. And I would eventually befriend a couple guys who were like the worship leaders and would get to like wander up on stage afterwards and talk to them, you know, Hey, how's it going? You're cool. Like, I just thought they were so cool. And look at everybody's pedal boards. What were the guitar players using? What were they doing for bass? Like I was just so into this stuff and I would make my dad drive me to youth group early. So we'd like go 45 minutes, one way to church, go home, lunch, take a nap, maybe watch a little bit of football. And then youth group was at night. And of course I wanted to go to that one there. Some of them, my dad, you know, would get back and would go and I would make my dad, eventually I would make my dad drive early And he'd have to listen to the football game in the car uh, because I wanted to be there to watch the band rehearse for youth group. And I wanted to help. I wanted to run the, I learned that like the lyrics that came up on the screen was they were using literally PowerPoint and looking at these words on Google for these songs or on the chord chart that was on a piece of paper from the worship band and like typing them up in PowerPoint and formatting every single box. And then like they would, you know, I think one time I wandered back there during worship and this girl, the girl that was doing it and also running sound at the time was like, do you want to, you want to do this? Like, watch, you just hit the button. I was like in sixth grade probably. And yeah, I want to do that. Heck yeah. That means I like, Part of it meant that I didn't, like, I don't know, some people would notice me, but not everybody would notice me, and I liked that. Like, anybody who noticed me was probably like me, um, is what I started to learn. So then, like, you know, and I, I started to learn I didn't like necessarily to be the center of attention. I liked the support role. I liked being one of the people that made it happen. And so it just grew from there, and I learned how to play instruments, and I... Uh, my in between freshman and sophomore. So like my freshman year of high school, then I, uh, there was a battle of the bands that my high school did. And I had been kind of like 
hovering around the theater department a little bit and got word about all the bands and was like, Hey, I want, I told a teacher, Hey, I want to help with this. And they're like, all right, go talk to this kid. And like, but, and I like helped him set up sound for battle of the bands. And I plugged everything in backwards and like, but he was so cool and like probably hated it that I was there, but he was cool about it and like taught me kind of what all the knobs on a soundboard do. And like, you know, and then fast forward, now I'm in college and I'm playing instruments and I'd been playing at Harvest. I'd, you know, I'd played guitar at Harvest. I was playing multiple times a weekend. Um, and then I'm in Michigan and I'm starting to like, you know, I went to this church called Crossroads then and I was playing guitar there. I was playing bass there. And there was this guy, friend of the show, Pete Fox. I miss you so much, dude. Um, I hope life on the West Coast, the, in the Pacific Northwest, is treating you well. I miss you so much. Um, this guy Pete was mixing sound, and like he would teach me little things, and I would have a Sunday that I wasn't playing, and so I'd go watch him do his thing, and like he had his own recording studio that the church was kind of fitting the bill for a little bit, and like, um, with. And I started slowly to learn how to run sound. And then Pete got too busy with his recording studio to be doing Sunday mornings. So then I started doing Sunday mornings full-time at Crossroads. And this is probably in 2011. Uh, middle of 2011. And it was the most trial by fire thing I've ever done in my life, but it is literally where I cut my teeth on how to be at least a live audio engineer. Uh, and that's around the time that Sam and I met, I was still kind of bouncing back and forth between playing guitar and running sound. And then shortly after we met was when I went and started doing sound full time and we got married and there was drama at that church and they didn't treat me right and they didn't treat Sam right and like but I got to cut my teeth man like and hey that church crossroads I love all of you to death I love Rod to death everybody but just you know hey we're humans things happen um that's my thoughts on it I used to be angry now I just do drugs and then I moved to Holland and it was a 30 minute commute one way, but I was still doing it twice a week doing rehearsals and like there on Sunday morning and just, it was such a trial by fire, but it was so good. And after a few years of doing that and I was in the automatic, right. And we, uh, we started opening for Wayland and that's how I got plugged in with them. And, you know, one day Phil called me and said, hey, dude, do you know anybody that knows how to run sound? And I said, I know how to run sound. And he was like, you know how to run sound? And I said, I totally know how to run sound. Um, and I learned really quickly then that I know how to run sound, but mixing just the same four bands in the same room every weekend uh, was doing a lot for me in terms of things that I'd never even th would have thought about troubleshooting wise. So, um, but that's just kind of been it. It's from there. I've been mixing at a church or mixing Wayland shows. Uh, and then eventually I like, um, I think I skipped over 
Oh yeah, like freshman year, in between freshman and sophomore year in high school. Just a real quick little aside. I uh, my first solo sound gig ever um, was the. It was the high school and like high school age and just just graduated high school age, you know, early college aged um, summer production of Susical the Musical at uh, at the local opera house, and boy was that a time! I barely remember that. Crazy. Just weird little things popping into my head about that. Uh, I gotta restart my timer. Continue last timer. And, uh, you know, just been, just been working it up, working on my skills, working on my skills. And I feel like I just in the last couple years, um, you know, I started getting some feedback from some people like Josh and from my coworker AJ and like just doing more work on the road. And like I've talked about this already that like having waves super rack has been really, really beneficial for me. And just like I feel like every time I went out with Wayland in 2023, that show was better than the one before it. And that just felt really, really good. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of how I got into doing all this was keeping at it, knowing it was a passion of mine. Um, and the recording side of it, I have always, I've been, that was like, I've been dabbling in the recording side since I bought my first MacBook in 2007 and have just been getting better and better and better. I've never gone to school for any of this. Like I kicked out of school, but I never, like I never even got into any of the good stuff in college for all of this. I've just kind of taught myself and there were just a, there was a period of years there where I didn't have the time or the emotional availability to invest in it. And now I do. And I'm a little bit older, but I don't really care. You know, age is just a number at this point for me. And uh, I'm just excited to be where I am. Could I have been here 10 years ago? Potentially. I just, that wasn't in the cards. That's all. I don't care what I mean. I do, but I, I'm working that out in therapy. You know, we cry that out in therapy. Um, yeah, the recording side, I've seen massive gains there in the last few years as well. It just, it's, uh, it's great. And so that's why I'm doing this. This podcast is not only a way for me to just kind of get some thoughts out and actually do what I want, but it's a way for me to show people my work and that I can, you know, I've talked about that before too. So, um, yeah, guys, I want to thank you so much for being here and for uh, for listening and for being my friends, for being my online friends, for being my in-real-life friends, because some of my in-real-life friends are here listening. It's great. I hope it feels like we got to hang out a little bit because I miss you. Um, check out the Patreon. It's five bucks a month for an extended version of this. Uh, today's after show is about hyperfixations. Some of mine, we're going to call it, um, I don't know, it's a little throwback to feisty mindfulness, I guess. So yeah, 
Uh, JupiterSound.studio is where you can find links to the YouTube. If you're watching here on YouTube, thank you. Uh, down in the description, there's the link uh, to that. There's probably some links in the bio, or I'm sorry, links in the show notes from today about stuff that I talked about, um, some random product stuff or whatever. I don't really, I don't know. That's what Descript is for. It does it for me. Um, there, show there, link in the show notes for Descript. Um, yeah, link in the channel for my Patreon. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me and my creative endeavors because when I get to do this, it just helps me be a better person because I get to get this energy out. I get to like express some things out loud and, you know, I get to be a, a better dad and a better husband and a better friend and I get to be better to myself. And, uh, I do not take that lightly. Lightly, more likely. No, I do. I do. I take. I don't take it lightly, though. So, thank you for listening. Uh, pray for us in this snowstorm that is still going on. There's like six cardinal, like female cardinals outside right now. They're so pretty. Wow. Anyways, thanks for being here. We'll see you on the next one. I'm Caleb. This is the show.